<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes that's right jsc exclusives you'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else for ten dollars or more per episode now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show you got a business you want me to talk about it i want you to sponsor my show for ten dollars hit me up send me the script i'm putting you over plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. You hear violence against women on a daily, if not like every single 10 minutes, you hear about it. It's impossible to not read a story one day about a woman getting hurt by her, you know, by someone who was close to her, a male relative. It, most of the time it's someone who she, who she was close to. So because it happens so often, I so many people are desensitized towards violence against women. And I think that's key is that like we're just so used to it. It's part of our lives. And it's just, it's not a big deal to so many people. And that's frightening. It's so scary that it's just like, okay, yeah, but you're a woman. What did you expect? Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages. I'm J. Scott Smith. And this is episode 58 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Good evening. Or good morning, or good afternoon, or whatever time of day you might be listening to this. Obviously, this week's episode deals with a little bit more serious subject matter. Because for as long as I have tried to uh, do this show the last few weeks and kind of stay away from this particular topic, it's just gotten to the point where I'd be derelict in my duties as a podcaster and I'd be accused of sticking my head in the sand when I have talked about God knows everything else during this podcast series, dating back almost two years now, without hitting on this. By the way, this is an episode that's going to feature some language that's going to be a little unseemly, a little bit more salt and peppery than even we're used to around here because I tend to refrain often from the usage of the F word, but in order to really get the point across here, we're going to be taking a look back into a couple of previous episodes, including one very popular yet infamous episode at the same time. By the way, wanted to shout out my man Awesome Jones, who handles the particular beat that you heard underneath me to start this show. Normally it's Doc Gillingsworth, but he comes 
via a recommendation from Doc Illingsworth. Be sure to hit up my man Awesome Jones on Twitter at Awesome Jones, O-S-S-I-M, Jones on the Twitter machine. But, uh, yeah. So, um, men are, men are pretty much scumbags. And I say that as someone who's been a man for the last 20 years. I say that as someone who has been around men my whole life. And that's not to say every man that I've known is a scumbag. I've known a lot of very good men. But I'm talking about men in the collective sense. We're pretty messed up. Even though I've never done any of the things that so many high-profile men have either been accused of or actually copped to. I feel that I need to apologize. Even though I don't think any apology from me is going to do justice to what we as men have done to women and to other men. We have not been at our best. Hardly ever. But every day, a different guy shows up. High-profile guy, low-profile guy. Ever since the Harvey Weinstein thing, ever since that shit hit the fan about two months ago, it's been a daily deluge of disgusting individuals. It's been a maelstrom of monstrous men. It's been a cornucopia of cads, a pack of perverts, a sizable amount of scumbags, whatever level of alliteration you can come up with. This is what we've been left with. This is what has gripped American society. I probably shouldn't have used that term, but this is what has had a hold on this country's collective psyche ever since. Harvey Weinstein got exposed as being chief scumbag. Well, you know, if you don't count the guy in the White House. Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Louis C.K., Charlie Rose, Matt Lauer, Charles Pugh, Donald Trump, Russell Simmons, Al Franken. I can keep going. All the way down the list. And I know I wouldn't I wouldn't possibly be able to get them all. There are just so many instances and just so many cases of this that it's just kind of overtaken everything we think about in our normal our normal daily lives. And yes, I've seen a lot of allusions to it on Twitter and on social media and other outlets and said in general society that men are now understanding what it's like to be a woman in general society right now, living in constant fear. The difference being is men are living in constant fear of being exposed. Being exposed as the hidden scumbags and perverts and shitheads that they are. Because that's what we've been. And that's how we treated our women and our young girls. R. Kelly is one I forgot to mention there. Oh, you remember R. Kelly. Anybody who's listened to this podcast or any of my previous ones knows how I feel about a guy like R. Kelly, for example. Episode 45 became one of my more popular shows because of what I said about R. Kelly. But it's not just about him. So many of us treat our women, our girls, our young girls. What up, Roy Moore? I see you out there, too. We treat them, honestly, as if they're disposable. This has been startling to see. Just inside of 10 days, 10 days, not even 10, 
we've had two venerable morning television news programs, national ones at that, open with a very striking scene of two women sitting at a news desk looking physically and, and mentally shaken and having to essentially deliver the news that their male co-host, the man who was essentially the quarterback on their show, has been fired because of how he's treated other women. We first look at November 21st and Charlie Rose on CBS. This is a moment that demands a frank and honest assessment about where we stand and more generally the safety of women. Let me be very clear. There is no excuse for this alleged behavior. It is systematic and pervasive. And I've been doing a lot of listening and I'm gonna continue to do that. This I know is true. Women cannot achieve equality in the workplace or in society until there is a reckoning and a taking of responsibility. I'm really proud to work at CBS News. There are so many incredible people here, especially on this show, mm -hmm. all of you here. This will be investigated. This has to end. This behavior is wrong, period. Uh, I, I certainly echo that. And I, I, I have to say, Nora, I really am still reeling. Uh, I got an hour and 42 minutes of sleep last night. Both my son and my daughter called me. Oprah called me and said, are you okay? I am not okay. Uh, after reading that article in the Post, it was deeply disturbing, troubling, and painful for me to read. Uh, that said, I think we have to make this matter to women, the women that have spoken up, the women who have not spoken up because they're afraid. I'm hoping that now they will take the step to speak out too, that this becomes a moment of, of truth. You know, I've enjoyed a, a friendship and a partnership with Charlie for the past five years. I've held him in such high regard, and I'm really struggling because how do you, what do you say when someone that you deeply care about has done something that is so horrible? How do you wrap your brain around that? I'm really grappling with that. Um, that said, Charlie does not get a pass here. He doesn't get a pass from anyone in this room. We are all deeply affected. We are all rocked by this. And I, I want to echo what Nora said. I really applaud the women that speak up despite the friendship. He doesn't get a pass because I can't stop thinking about the anguish of, the, of these women. What happened to their dignity? What happened to their bodies? What happened maybe to even their careers? I can't stop thinking about that and the pain that they're going through. I also find that it's, it's, you can hold two ideas in your head at the same time. You can grapple with things. And I, to be very honest with you, I'm still trying to process all of this. I'm still trying to sort it out because this is not the man I know but I'm also clearly on the side of the women who have been very hurt and very damaged by this. As one can imagine, that's not the type of thing you want to deliver. As someone who's worked in public media, Charlie Rose is, or at least was, held in that same kind of venerable space as the likes of Gwen Ifill and Terry Gross those kind of untouchable voices. He's one of the last of the true untouchable voices of American journalism. So to find out that a man who, in recent weeks, had to report on the types of shit that he was doing himself, it's mind-blowing. It's stunning. We fast-forward nine days, really eight, and then you've got Savannah Guthrie 
and hold a copy on NBC having to do the exact same thing. As I'm sure you can imagine, we are devastated and we are still processing all of this. And I will tell you right now, we do not know more than what I just shared with you. But we will be covering this story as reporters, as journalists. I'm sure we will be learning more details in the hours and days to come. And we promise we will share that with you. Mm -hmm. And Hoda, I mean, you know, for the moment, all we can say is that we are heartbroken. I'm heartbroken for Matt. He is my dear, dear friend and my partner, and he is beloved by many, many people here. And I'm heartbroken for the brave colleague who came forward to tell her story and any other women who have their own stories to tell. Mm-hmm. And we are grappling with a dilemma that so many people have faced these past few weeks. How do you reconcile your love for someone with the revelation that they have behaved badly? Mm-hmm. And I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that this reckoning that so many organizations have been going through is important. It's long overdue. And it must result in workplaces where all women, all people Mm -hmm. feel safe and respected. As painful as it is this moment in our culture and this change had to happen. Please understand that I don't feel sorry for these men in the least. I don't feel sorry for anybody who takes advantage of positions of power to use them and to lord over women. Just like I I don't feel sorry for anybody who gets exposed for being a racist in their office. Just like I don't feel sorry for someone who's exposed as being a homophobe or xenophobe in their office. I made it perfectly clear in episode 45 what I think of those who do these sort of things. And I don't run from that. I don't hide that. And I'm not going to change that. People in power, men specifically, we, we have failed in a society that is already by and large, tilted in our direction. Black men as well, and I've said this before, society is always going to be tilted in favor of men. The tilt isn't as steep in the favor of black men, but our male privilege does actually give us a little bit of carte blanche. And we often use it for evil. We often use it to get away with things. Matt Lauer had a button in his office, according to Variety magazine. He had a button in his office at, at, at Rockefeller Center that he could push to lock his door from the inside without having to get up and actually do it. And he would then use that opportunity to basically corner, assault, harass women that he worked with. Charlie Rose would invite young women who were looking to get into the business to his place. He would make sexually suggestive comments, texts. He would walk around naked. And in one case that was uh, discussed in the Washington Post, he put his hands down the pants of a young woman after they had apparently had a professional meeting the night, that, that same evening. Kevin Spacey basically preyed on young boys for years in what was sort of an open, an open secret in the industry. He specifically targeted young men. He essentially was R. Kelly before R. Kelly. And when word of this finally got out, he tried to take the weasel's way out. And after years of denying he was gay, he tries to come out as gay to offer cover for the bullshit he was doing. A lesser known name to a lot of you nationally is a gentleman named Charles Pugh. Now Charles, slightly different from Spacey in that he'd come out as gay a long time before he finally had been sniffed out. Charles Pugh was a 
TV news anchor in the city of Detroit. He worked at Fox 2. He'd become so popular, he ended up getting his own show on FM 98, WJLB, hosting a show called That's What's Up. Very popular Sunday night show for years in the Motor City. He was so popular that he was elected to the Detroit City Council with no previous experience politically. Boy, doesn't that sound a little frightening here. He was not only elected to city council, he was elected council president. Strictly on the backs of his popularity on TV. He was so popular that Detroit, which was at the time notoriously homophobic, looked past him being gay to put him in that spot. People actually were saying, we voted for him despite the fact that he's gay. What most people also knew about Charles Pugh is that he had a penchant for trolling for young men too. And it was not uncommon. It was not one of those things that was hushed and whispered and, oh, we didn't know this is shocking. People knew. People knew about his, his MO while he was at Channel 2. People knew about it, that that was his MO at WJLB. People knew that that was his MO when he got to the city council. And he eventually got exposed. And what happened when he got exposed, when the heat got a little bit too hot for him, when the smoke started to billow up around him, he ran and hid in New York as a fugitive. This is during a point in time where the city is dealing with bankruptcy negotiations. And they're in big, big trouble. He got up and he ran and hid in New York like a coward, like the coward he is. He was eventually convicted and sent to prison. A little more than a year ago, he pled guilty to having sex with a teenage boy. Got five and a half to 15 years in prison. He's the rare guy who's actually going to go to jail for this. You have Louis C.K., a guy who for years kind of talked about his borderline sexual deviancy during his comedy act. As rumors about him circulated all over the place, that he was out here basically being a perv, exposing himself to women he worked with in his office, masturbating on the telephone while having quote-unquote business phone calls with unsuspecting women. Inviting women to his hotel room, then stripping down and masturbating in front of them. If not for the New York Times basically giving him a heads up that they were going to release a story on him, he was going to continue to deny that and call the women who were talking about this. Because again, this was not exactly a secret in the comedy community. Calling them liars and threatening to sue them. And threatening to ruin their careers. Harvey Weinstein, we all know what he did. Russell Simmons, he's the latest addition to that Summer Jam screen. He's had to step down from everything he's doing because of what he's been accused of and what's been known about him, that he's had a penchant for basically being like R. Kelly and dabbling in underage girls. What's really funny about Russell, though, is if you recall Terry Crews admitted, acknowledged that he had been groped by an agent, a male agent during a party. He bravely got on TV, went on Good Morning America and talked about it. And who was up in his inbox but Russell Simmons? Was Russ basically saying, hey man, I got your back. Hey man, I support you. It took a lot of guts for you to come out and do this. Because as men to be assaulted, especially by other men, it's just as shocking and shameful and disarming. Because you're not sure what to do. Now, what Russ did was send this man an email and tell him to give this guy a pass. Picture that. A guy telling you after a dude grabs you by the genitalia at a party 
in front of everybody, just give him a pass. You got Geraldo Rivera. If she doesn't make the accusations inside of five years, just expect it to be a money grab. Shortly thereafter, here comes Bette Midler reminding the world that back in the 70s, he groped her. Now all of a sudden, he's backpedaling. Every major news network has had at least one, except for ABC. Somehow ABC has been able to survive this sort of thing. CBS had Charlie Rose. NBC, most prominently, is Matt Lauer. But Mike Tirico, who currently works for NBC, has been accused of having done things in the past, and he was at ESPN. And then there's Fox. And I'm talking about Fox Sports and Fox News, where it's almost easier to list off the names of people who haven't been accused of sexually harassing or sexually assaulting women. Bill O'Reilly, maybe the most well-known of all of them, was out here paying, and really Fox, was out here paying $32 million. $32 million was paid to one person, but millions upon millions of dollars in settlements being paid to women coming forward. The late Roger Ailes, he ended up leaving the company because of sexually harassing women. There are just so many cases. But this is not anything new. It's an institutional thing. It's something that is ingrained in this society. That for all the different things that have evolved over time in this country, the way we treat women and the way we treat minorities, those are two things that haven't really changed. Women are making the same claims. Women are talking about the same shit that's been going on since the beginning of this country. Things that were happening to women in the 1800s are still happening in 2000 goddamn 17. And the only people there are we really have to blame are ourselves as men that we have to do better. This is not a moment for me to put myself over. I'm simply going to state facts. If you've noticed, every guest I've had on this show is a woman. Janae Darden, Lara Witt, I'll get to her in a second, Adrienne Lawrence, Jasmine Duke, Renee Washington. There's a reason for that. I have women on this show talking about a variety of things. It's not simply sports, albeit in the case of Janae and Adrienne and Renee. Didn't intend on that rhyming. They clearly had a sports hook, but Jasmine was not a full-on hook for sports. And when I talked to Lara Witt, which, by the way, that episode is the single most downloaded of this show's entire run, it talks about more than sports. When I had Lara on here, back in September of last year, 2016, she talked about what it was like for her when she was sexually assaulted when she was living in Switzerland. And she brought up a point here that I feel you need to listen to to get a full-on understanding of why this is such a big deal to me, why I talk about this, and why, if it makes a man who's listening to this uncomfortable, good. I hope it gives you heartburn. I hope it makes your ass itch. I hope it makes you sweat. I hope it makes you feel guilty to hear something like this, to hear this come from a young woman who's been through so much and done so much to persevere in the light, in light, I should say, of such a harrowing and horrifying experience, and that when push comes to shove, this is what women have to deal with. This is Lara Witt talking about what happened to her back when she appeared on this show 
in September of 2016. He, on several occasions, like tried to have me alone, whether it was at his place or in other situations. It, he became very stalker-like. Uh, he used to, you know, follow me back home and then throw pebbles at my window, which, like, I'm, I can't even, like, get into the realm of, like, romantic films, like, that do that, because that's just fucking weird. Um, stalking and romance are two very different things, consent being the thing that changes it. Um, but yeah, and he eventually managed to, uh, you know, catch me while I was alone and, uh, you know, completely unaware of what, of my surroundings and, you know, on my way back home, it didn't happen too far away from where I lived, which is, you know, it's, it's difficult when, when you're raped in your own home. It's also difficult if it's in the proximity of your home, it kind of destroys like your, your sanctuary and, and who you are and everything that you thought was safe. Um, and I went straight to the police afterwards, I mean, to the hospital afterwards to get a rape kit and get, you know, all the testing that they need to get done. Uh, I went to the police officers the next day um, and I was given two male detectives to interview me, which I thought was really fucked up because, you know, for obvious reasons, you just shouldn't do that. Uh, and just for clarification, yeah. this was in Switzerland. This was in Switzerland. This wasn't here in the U.S. Okay. And yeah. Um, so yes. Anyways, they also didn't provide me with a therapist who's supposed to be there with you. And that's another thing that they're supposed to do. It was just me, two officers, and my mother was with me. And I, you know, I told them what happened. And you know, when you're having a conversation with someone and they're visibly disinterested and they don't give a fuck about what you're saying. That was what it was like. It was just, they were waiting to, like, get the fuck out of there. Maybe they were finishing up their morning shift. I don't know what was going on, but they didn't really care. Something she brought up in the midst of all that was that she talked about how when she was sitting in the police station after she was reporting the assault, she reported it immediately, which is something that a lot of you asshole guys like to say, well, why don't they say something immediately? Why don't they bring it up immediately? That's why women don't bring it up immediately. Because it's met with skepticism. It's questioned. They put two male detectives in front of this woman who's just been sexually assaulted. That's not to say that there haven't been women who worked as detectives who were negligent toward other women as well. But they did this to basically keep her from talking. And then when she doesn't talk, it's like, well, nothing happened. But when she talks years later, why did she, why did she wait so long to say something? We would have believed her. That's bullshit and you know it. I've heard a lot of men sit here and say this the last few weeks that all oh, these women are just desperate for attention. Oh, this is a money grab. L listen here, bucko. Name me a woman who's sitting here filthy rich like Scrooge McDuck off of making fake rape claims on another celebrity man or on another man in general. Don't worry. I'll wait out here to get attention. Dude, this is 2017, where people can get 100,000 subscribers on YouTube to listen to them talk about makeup and underwear. Do you really think that these women are that hard up for attention that they're going to run around out here and make up false claims about some asshole violating them to get paid or to get attention? There's plenty of better ways to get attention out here. Lara talked about how she sat in that, that police station and dealt with those detectives. In my city, city of Detroit, about 10, 12 years ago, it was discovered that there were hundreds upon hundreds of untested, unreported rape kits sitting in an old abandoned warehouse run by the Detroit police. Many of which had been sitting there for years. Because of the callous treatment that the Detroit Police Department showed toward women who had been sexually assaulted. It was a national scandal. 
You think that it's easy for a woman to come forward and say that she's been assaulted. You think it's easy for a woman to come forward and say that she's been sexually harassed. I work in this business right now. And at any given day, I can call up any young woman I know that I've either mentored or I've worked with. And she can give me a story in detail of an editor accosting her, of an editor propositioning her, improperly touching her, maybe maybe making her feel uncomfortable. I can get stories about a reporter being accosted by by a fellow photographer, by fellow reporters, by people on the street, by viewers. The cat calls, the random people touching you. The, the showering of gifts, being told, if you do this thing for me, it'll get you along further in your career. That shit goes on. And yes, yes, men, there are occasions where men go through this. But we're not talking about us right now. Just like I can't stand when there's a racial issue and some white person chimes in with all lives matter, now ain't the time. Because you weren't saying anything about these issues until some other woman brought up hers. So keep your mouth shut, get in line, and start your own crusade at another point in time. Another thing Lara Witt talked about was consent. And you laugh, because there are some people who laugh about this. The interview that I did with Adrian Lawrence, prior to that segment, I was talking about the sexual assault trial of Derrick Rose. And how this dude sat on the stand with a straight face and said he didn't know what the meaning of consent was. Yes, I laughed at it too. Because it sounded ridiculous. But it's the truth. So Lara laid out this about consent. And by the way, if you want to hear the entire episode, it was episode 17 from September 8th, 2016. Go back and listen to the whole thing. It's pretty damn fascinating. But Lara Witt talks about consent. And it's something that a lot of men and young boys need to learn about and learn fast because apparently we're not getting that shit either. It's amazing. Like the more you learn as an adult about what consent means and what you what you need in order for someone's consent, which is just an enthusiastic yes, um, not like a, a coerced yes, not like a muted yes, not a like a nod of your head, but like an enthusiastic yes. Um, and you explore like how we raise our kids to like blur those boundaries of what yes and no means it's really frightening so it starts like i mean it starts when you're a tiny whether it's someone who's like a relative who's forcing a hug from your child like if you if your kid does not want to hug you if your kid doesn't want to give you a kiss don't force it you're teaching them that like no matter what what you want is more important than what they want it starts so fucking young and so repeatedly teaching that like what they say and how they feel about it is irrelevant to your to your needs you're teaching them that their entitlement or that your entitlement is more important to their body or their physical autonomy from there that's reinforced as you grow up uh, when you're a teenager your fucking hormones are going crazy you want to fuck everything your fridge your couch whatever um teaching teenagers how to interact each other with each other and how what consent means to them at that level is really important because you're still discovering your sexuality you don't you don't necessarily know what you want yet you don't know how your body necessarily works 
And if you've been shamed about sexuality, then you're not exploring it in a healthy way necessarily. You're not talking to someone about it. You don't know anything about STDs. You don't know how to put on a fucking condom. You don't know all of these things. And you don't know what yes means and what no means when it comes to sex. It starts to get even more dangerous. And then throw college into it. Throw alcohol into it. Throw, you know, male entitlement and you know, misogyny, the fact that maybe boys weren't raised to respect women as being their complete and total equals in terms of, you know, physical autonomy and opportunities and everything else that equality means. Not just equality of physical autonomy, but also of opportunities. It's all of that. If you don't see women as being equal to you, you can't respect them, you won't respect their what what they want, what they need, the fact that they're allowed to say no, that we don't have to have sex with anyone, that we don't owe a man anything. If they don't get that, no fucking wonder this happens all the time. You like the fact that men still feel entitled to anyone's attention simply because they're male. How can anything get better? Look, man, I've made it very clear on this show that I'm not going to stick to sports. But for those of you wondering, this does have a sports hook because there are athletes who improperly touch women. Jameis Winston is in the in the shit once again for allegedly groping a woman who is an Uber driver. There have been the multitude of stories of professional athletes sexually assaulting women along with physically assaulting women. That was one of the reasons I brought Lara on in the first place. Hell, Matt Lauer was doing some of his dirt at the Winter Olympics. It doesn't make a difference what this is. This is about our women. This is about our young girls. And it can be a political realm. It can be journalism. It can be sports. It can be music. It can be anything. We need to stop this shit. And maybe someone will listen to me because you damn sure aren't listening to women when they say it. You're too busy trying to either justify why they've been treated this way or ask questions or deny it or stick stick your head in the sand. Maybe if you hear it coming from another man, it might register a little bit. Because it sure as hell registered when Terry Crews told you. Because none of you idiots were in his inbox calling him a liar. None of you were in his inbox telling him he was a fake. Or telling him he just wanted attention. Or telling him that he was just washed up and he's trying to get a payday. There's a hell of a lot better ways to get a payday. And I'm going to keep saying that too. So maybe if a man tells you that we need to stop this shit. That as a man we need to get right. Because there's a whole lot of dudes walking around here shook right now. Like the late prodigy said, there's a whole lot of y'all shook. There's a whole lot of y'all nervous because you know that you've done wrong. In episode 45, I talked about R. Kelly. I talked about the universal pass that black people have largely given to him. That it's very, very bizarre that a man, a black man, has been able to get away with mistreating for at least 20 years young black girls. And only recently, in the last five to six years, he's finally upgraded to grown black women that he still subjugates to his bullshit. I talked about that in episode 45. I've talked about Larry Nasser, who, by the way, has been pleading guilty to a bushel basket of counts of assaulting young girls and women through his position as being a doctor with USA Gymnastics. I talked about the enabling that went on in episode 40 at Michigan State University. When Kathy Clagus, the now retired women's gymnastic coach, was basically acting as a buffer for Nasser. The same Nasser who molested at least two members of the Olympic team in 2012. Allie Raisman and Gabby Douglas 
Douglas, who tried to shame Allie Raisman initially before acknowledging she'd actually been molested too. We as men need to get right. This is a reckoning right now. I'm not sitting here sweating Crisco, worrying about somebody trying to expose me. Because I know I haven't done anything. But as a man, I feel a level of shame and a level of responsibility for what we've done as men to ruin so many young women. And mind you, I'm saying this is a guy who wasn't exactly the best boyfriend to women that I was with when I was in my 20s. Now, mind you, I never sexually harassed or sexually assaulted any women. And I also know what it's like to be falsely accused of sexual assault, to be falsely accused of committing these acts. So before any of y'all out here start screaming, all oh, these girl, these women are just making this up. They're fa- What about all the false accusations? I've been a victim of false accusations. That doesn't mean that the shit doesn't happen for real. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of all of a sudden... The same men who are willing to basically bury somebody want to scream due process when a situation like this creeps up. The same men who want the world to stand by us. Yes, I'm talking to you black men. The same men who wonder aloud why this country won't get behind us when we point out the obvious instances of racial disparity and racial discrimination and hate crimes against black people. How we get so angry when people question our motives and question why this happened. That same energy, use that same energy, that same anger you have to defend ourselves as black men and as black people. Use that same energy to defend women. For every one woman who might make a false allegation, there's 50 of them that are telling the damn truth. We as men need to get our shit together, get our act together. Get ourselves right. We love to lament that, oh, I have a daughter, or oh, I have a sister, or what about my mama? Prove it. If you have a young boy, if you have a son, you have a nephew, you have a young man you're mentoring, tell his ass about consent. Tell his ass that if a woman is drunk, that means you cannot have sex with her. Tell him that the age of consent matters. And also to you zipper heads out there who say, like with Roy Moore, oh, the, well, the age of consent in certain states is 14. I guess you didn't realize that. No, it's not. Don't try to talk down to me, especially when I know more than you. There's a couple of states that allow for girls 14 years old, I think even one as young as 13, to, quote, consent to sex. That's if they're having sex with another teenager. Not if they're having sex with a 30-year-old or a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old. Men, teach our young boys this. Beat it into their heads, not physically, but beat it into their heads that we have to treat women with respect. That we cannot sit around and just act like none of this shit's happening. I've sat here and done essentially more than 60 versions of this show 60 episodes of this show this is the 58th official one but you know what i'm getting at and this is probably the angriest i've been because i see what's happening around us and i feel a level of responsibility to stand up and say something and it's going to be something that sadly is going to be unpopular with a lot of men who hear this well guess what hate to tell i hate to break this to you i've prided my life especially the last 21, 22 years on being a hell of a lot more popular with the ladies than I am with the fellas. 
But if the idea of telling you idiots to not abuse women, to keep your hands off women, to keep your stupid cat calls to yourself, to not proposition women or young girls or use your power, your position of power in an office, your position of power in society to force women to do what it is you want them to do. If saying that to you makes me unpopular with you, then I am perfectly fine if every one of you motherfuckers does not like me. Because that's how it's going to be. My name is J. Scott Smith. Telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. And always treat our women with respect. Respect their agency. Respect their right to live. Respect their ability to go on about their business and not be bothered by assholes like you. Hopefully next week we'll be able to get back into something a little bit more sports related, a little bit more fun, a little bit more loose. But I had to do this. I owed this to the women in my life. I owed this to the young daughter I might eventually have. I owe it to them. And we owe it to everybody else too. Thanks a lot, y'all. I'll see your ass next week with more of JSC Radio. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.